Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, the most competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Robert. Hello. And we're going to hop into our DeLorean and go back in time, because we've had a lot going on over the last two weeks. And uh, first of all, why didn't we record last week? Well, we were actually running our own GT last week. Actually, we qualified as a major. And not only that, we were the largest uh, event, single event in 40K in Arizona history. So we were very excited about that. So uh, by the time it was time to record, I was ready to collapse. So blame it on me. But uh, we have a lot to uncover. We're going to go a little bit out of order because that event, uh, we put a rules cut off prior to the data slate coming out, which came out the Thursday before the event. So we're going to talk about the event first, swing back to the data slate, then go back to the current events that happened over this past weekend that did actually use the data slate. Sound confusing? That's all right. Join us for the ride. We'll be ready to go. So let's start with last week. Uh, as I mentioned, we sold 108 tickets. 88 players arrived for round one. Only two drops for round two. Um, pretty cool event. Uh, Robert, you got to be in the mix of it. How did it look from the player perspective? Well, it was a nice, healthy event. The I know it wasn't any of the Smite Club members' faults for having us having to squish the tables together because we got shorted tails by the event space. So we ended up doing like five or six games per row. Like it was pretty, pretty cramped. And if you were in the middle, oof, oof, you had to walk all the way around to go and do stuff. Sometimes it was awkward, but um, no, it was a very fun event. I went three and three with my pre changes to my nights. And I honestly had a blast. The My three wins were against two different armies. So two Tau and a Gene Sealer Colt. And then my three losses were to Ultramarines, Admech, and Imperial Knights. Now... Two of those three are two of those three losses were very familiar names in the hobby: Jason McKenzie and Junior Aflahi. But the Ultramarines guy was probably like one of the funner games I had, besides Junior hitting a war dog in Overwatch with the harpoon of a valiant. Remember that? That was pretty funny. <laughs> yes, it was amazing. But overall, it was a very fun event. It was nice and healthy, and no matter how much I tried, Eric would not let help me judge. Uh, yeah, actually, we needed players. So that was the big thing. We just seemed to be um, as somebody. It was like people kept dropping pairs, so it was just one of those. Uh, I need a ringer, so I needed somebody to go. So that was and kind I... of the issue at hand. I failed at being a ringer because obviously I tried to drop and then you put me against Gene Steer Colt player and I got perfect score. So I'm a butthole of a ringer. <laughs> uh, it was still with a little lower ranking. So that's one of the key things there. So it worked out. So, but um, no, overall it was good. I mean, it, uh, we got the show, uh, the team put together the new terrain for a new theme. So we already had uh, Necron, uh, Imperial, Mechanicus, and Chaos. So Sisters of Battle then joined the ranks of the terrain setups, and that looked really nice. 
all the mats have been replaced. Uh, so now all the mats are the correct size and so no more tape jobs. So that was really cool. Uh, overall, yeah, it was a really well done event. Um, it was a lot of positive feedback from the players. Let's go through the uh, the top player because there was some really exciting names in the top. We had two players from Team America present. We had some really a lot of talent from the the Southwest region there. So I was really excited to see how it all shaped up. And uh, no surprise, the top players came to play. Yep. So to mention a couple of those guys that finished outside the top five in eighth place was Junior Flahey with only one loss in round two. And I was his round three opponent, so that was a great time to lose. <laughs> and in seventh place, we have Frankie G and Papa himself bringing Gene Sealer Colt. The goat. Yep. Yeah, it's really cool to see uh, him back, Frankie back out again. He's been a longtime supporter of us. Uh, he actually came, he actually won, I want to say, the second Scorched Earth Open. So it was really cool to see him there, get him back out there, and um, I guess from behind that, <laughs> get out from behind the desk at Frontline Gaming and actually play some games. So that was really cool. Yep. So the top five, and as a reminder to all of you listening, these armies are pre-data slate changes. So it's going to sound kind of like a broken record a little bit. But in fifth place, we have Michael Mann with Demons. Came all the way down from Denver. In fourth, in fourth place, we have Jacob, Wag Jacob Wagner with Necrons. In third place, we have Jason McKenzie with Admech. In second place is Ben Jurek with an almost perfect score. Only losing to the reigning champ of Smite Club Open, Daniel Olivas with a perfect 600. Yeah, Jacob so. did his job for the team, uh, holding Ben to only 90 points. So, yes, Ben unfortunately missed out on the championship. And uh, another honorable mention was uh, Donovan Salo. Uh, he actually got a mention on Spiky Bits for his unique grade light list. Yep, he did come all the way in ninth with Grey Knights. And I know he had been toying around with a edited version of Jack Harpster's Grey Knight list, which definitely makes it his own, because I know Donovan is not so much of a copy-and-paste kind of guy. He plays what he wants, and the lad is crazy. I think I've only beaten him once, and that was when he played Salamanders back when, like back in early ninth edition or something with my Custodes, and then after that, I have not beat him once. <laughs> No, he's a pretty strong player, and I'm kind of glad he's veering off into a new direction on that list. So that was really cool to see. Yep. And this event was definitely fun. Expect it to come back next year, probably at a different venue, at least hopefully at a different venue. And be sure to come packed and ready, because by the time it rolls around, we'll most likely have half of the codexes out by then because yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great time. And there's still some chitter chatter about where scorched earth open our earlier in the year event is going to be. And everyone on the internet will be the first to know once the details are all hashed out. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the extreme honest podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. 
If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. So I look forward to getting the announcement out once that's all finalized. But uh, as you mentioned, some new releases, some of them before this event, so we're going a little out of order. Probably the biggest one was the big anticipation of the balanced data slate. And there's been a lot of discussion about it. Uh, I'm kind of like, for me, it was, as I was judging uh, Smite Club Open, I purposely stayed away from it so it didn't cloud <laughs> making judgments based off rules that we're not using. But um, uh, after getting a chance to read through it afterward, I went, oh, okay. I'm looking forward to using these because there was a lot of changes that were actually really affected how questions were asked. So I was like, okay, cool. So um, first impressions. I know you were in a little bit of shock when it first came out and kind of settled down after that. Well, it was simply because of the fact that I, I playing Knights was touched a lot by the changes because there were points increases more like point swaps in the chaos night book it wasn't even a oh yeah no this is like five points more this is 10 points more it's now nah. they took the carnivore who was 160 points made him 140 and made my brigands that much at 160 so it was like oh okay that's rude so but the the biggest noticeable change for Knights players, and the reason why you're probably going to see a lot of Valiants go back on the shelf is the fact that the Overwatch stratagem can no longer be used on Titanic models. 
Yeah, a lot of changes to Overwatch. That was probably one of the biggest right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, all I can think of when I think of Knights is I forgot the rapid fire auto cannons that just have like 32 shots. I'm just like, oh, not to worry about that anymore. Yep. But that worry is now replaced with uh, Knights go, aha, I'm invisible. Because now Knights for um, blocking line of sight through ruins benefit just like everyone else. So they can hide behind buildings now, regardless of how tall it is. So a, a Serastus Knight on a terrain piece that is marked as a ruin can not be seen past that building until they put a piece of their base inside that building. So the big L's that hide a good chunk of your army, you can't see a knight behind it. That's going to cause some feel-bads for some people because beforehand it was a... All right, cool. You can shoot at the knight from across the table with a with a last cannon and potentially start chipping away at it before it gets halfway across the table. Now it's a, your knight's halfway across the table and I can't shoot it. True, but I think it also balances out towards <laughs> he can't shoot you either. You know, he's got some of the other issues that were, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit. And they're, they did get a hell of a lot more expensive. So, Yeah, like my Chaos Knights with the Desecrator and the Castigator build, in order for me to play it legally, I have to drop one entire War Dog of my choosing. And then that leaves a big void in my list for why I want to slap in there. So at that point, I could bring Demon Allies if I wanted to. Or I could switch back to my fallback plan of, I'm going to bring a Rampager a Lancer, and the Rampager is still cheap enough that I can fit in seven War Dogs. So the Towering World definitely got a lot of changes. Um, of course, the big one was, what was what are they going to do to Eldar? And uh, the first thing they did was more of a broad sweep, which was they changed, basically created a new damage category called Devastating Wounds. Now, wait, we've heard this before. But they've kind of changed the rule in that devastating wounds used to be if you rolled a six to wound, it caused a mortal wound. That's no longer the case. It causes a devastating wound, which basically means no armor save, no invulnerable save, but it doesn't have the mortal wound effect of splashing forward. So if you inflict six devastating wounds on a horde of one wound models, you've killed one model very, very dead. As opposed to the idea that a Wraith Knight with Wraith Cannons that can do 2d6 potentially mortal wounds isn't going to pick up a horde anytime soon. It still pick up big stuff, but it's not going to do that anymore. So the, the, the lack of spill damage was very interesting. Yeah, that's definitely something that a lot of people are kind of mixed on because Devastating Wounds used to be mortal wounds. So you had all of these data slates like the entire Custodes Detachment, um, some of the Tyranid stuff, and then kind of a smattering through all the other armies that had a specific feel-no-pain to mortal wounds, well, that ability is now completely invalidated. 
Right, because you're not being hit with uh, mortal wounds anymore. So part of me says it's still very, how do I say it? It's, it seems like kind of a corner pocket when it comes to the feel no pain stuff, but I'm still going through a lot of stuff. What was used to be a devastating wound, it's no longer a mortal wound, but I'm kind of still on the on the fence about it. I, I don't think it's as big a deal as people think. And this is a guy coming who has got his talos with twin-linked uh, anti-vehicle four haywire cannons on him. So, because I still want to inflict lots of damage on a single unit, that's what the haywire is for. It's never meant to be a chaff clearer. So, yeah, it's um, overall when I look at it in a perspective of a knight player. Okay, if you were going through my saves anyway with mortal wounds, this is the same thing. It doesn't matter. If I'm looking at it from the point of view of some, playing something like Tyranids or Custodes, that matters a little bit more. Because when you get these, oh, this character gives me devastating wounds as long as he's attached to my unit, and you're now swinging in with like three damage weapons, my, my Custodes just vaporize sure we have a two up armor save so we still get an armor save against some stuff but if you roll enough sixes you literally pick up a unit of five custodians it's a good way of looking at it too so yeah there's going to be some individual cases but i think overall for the game i think it was a a a positive change so I was, I was pretty excited to see that uh, the next change when it comes to stratagems was an interesting change um it's one i actually had suggested so i wonder if they've <laughs> a little late than never but i'll take it so if you have a vect stratagem or if you're one of those characters that can say you can use this stratagem again for free uh do you remember back the stratagems have those little categories. Some of them are epic deeds. Some of them are battle tactics. Yeah, they, they finally started using those. for. They actually have meaning now because those abilities only affect battle tactic stratagems. Mm-hmm. So there makes it very different. So unless the stratagem or the ability is named specifically, so all you Necron players are worried about your Hexmark Destroyers, Nothing to worry about. It says specifically the Overwatch ability may be used for free. You're good to go. But if you have, say, I think a Space Marine Captain's pretty loose where it just says you may use a stratagem for free, it has to be a battle tactic stratagem moving forward. Yep. And I'll touch on Custodies again, and I'll get to those changes here in a second because that's a gripe that I have that goes way deep. But anyway, the Custodies stratagems, most of them are battle tactics. In fact, all of them were battle tactics until you got to like the last two. So the shield captains could sit there and use these two CP stratagems all day for free. Well, they also changed one of those to an epic deed stratagem, which was the fight first stratagem. So three of the four are still free, but we can't fight you first for free anymore. (laughs) 
So there's a little, yeah, there's quite a few. And Custodians weren't the only ones. The Grey Knights lost a few. Knights lost a few as well. They got moved out of that category. I mm -hmm. think, though, we'll have to see how it plays out. This is a little naive on my part. But the key thing that also got changed is a lot of armies have the ability to vect something, which is a colloquial term for making a stratagem cost one more CP than usual. That has now only affects battle tactics as well. You can't, and basically that makes a big change because a lot fewer strat. It's a much smaller pool of stratagems, and from the core stratagems, it only affects the tactical reroll and nothing mm -hmm. else. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at like my Archon. I'm, I know Chaos players are rethinking the Cipher still belong in the list. Um, that. Yeah, you have fewer stratagems to use twice, but there's fewer stratagems that can be affected by defensive buffs as well. So we'll see how it plays out. I'd, I'd be curious if there's any changes. So far, what I'm seeing from the local Chaos players are, yeah, it stinks, but Cypher brings enough to the table. I'm willing to play it. Um, we'll see what happens. So, Yep, and then the last core rule change was... The insane, the insane bravery strat used to be something where it was a super clutch thing of it was really important, so you didn't want to use it unless you had to. It was freed up at the start of the edition. You could use it as many times as you want. They took that away. <laughs> so now I you think, can only use it once per game. Yeah, it's back to how it was. It's once per game, and more importantly, you have to play a strategy before you roll the battle shock test. And first of all, I was like, well, why did they ever change it in the first place? I think that makes a lot more sense. But the bigger thing is, especially when we talk a little bit about the Codex, uh, what we've seen in the Tyranid Codex, suddenly Battleshock just got a lot more fearful. I mean, it actually, people kind of joke, well, Battleshock is another missed opportunity, you know, by Games Workshop to change morale or make morale meaningful. This, I think, will definitely put it back on the table. Um, mm -hmm. Especially the that's out of sequence. You know, the, uh, oh, I hit you with this weapon. Please take a battle shock test. What? I'm not below half strength. Yeah. And I can actually touch on that exact experience because I did play my first game of Nids on Saturday. And the fact that I got to make my opponent take. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten battle shock tests, all in the all in my command phase. Yeah, it was scary. He failed like four or five of them. So that's. It was, I think it'll be a. Now we're starting to see that. So now you want to start including things that cause battle shock or especially battle shock out of sequence so i think it'd be interesting to see how the game changes from there yep and then we can touch on some of the minor army changes because there was some big changes to some some little changes and then some didn't get changed at all yeah, so Hang on, there's one more I just want to touch on real ah, quick. Just, yes. uh, from a judging standpoint, this is kind of a quality of life issue. Uh, eligibility, I can't talk today. Eligibility to shoot was a, a big change, and they finally clarified that. Who can shoot and who can't shoot. Um, 
things, especially when it comes to the greater good, that came, that question came up several times uh, with the Tau players. Can I guide it? Can this guy still shoot? Uh, I shot first. Can you still guide? All this nonsense. Uh, very easily cleaned up in the new rules. Same thing with vehicles. Uh, hover vehicles. Do I use the base? Do I use the wings? Do I use the hull? Do I use the gun that sticks out inappropriately? What do you use for measuring? And uh, so that all made a lot more sense. So that was so glad to see that. And uh, this makes judging a lot easier when it comes to that. Yep. I'll have to go back and reread that because Knights, it was always to the base, so it didn't matter. But as I start playing things that may or may not have bases, we'll, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the basic thing is uh, you measure uh, always. You always measure to and from the closest part of the base or hull, whichever is closest. So that may mean that some of your gu your guns from your uh, knights might be sticking over the base. You would use those instead. Ah, well then that <laughs> if it does actually work that way for stuff like knights then all of my tails on my knights are like an extra two or three inches of measurement <laughs> so we'll see how that all see if we make any modeling changes there but um so as robert's about to say yeah getting on to the armies one thing that was probably the most surprising about this data slate was every army was affected not just the top two not just the bottom three every army was affected uh, I was shocked. I really was. I was like, like, wow, everything got touched. Usually there's like four or five got a little snip here and there and points, and that's about it. They, when they talk about rebalancing, they rebalanced everything. Yeah, we're we're not going to go into the points because <laughs> that's literally everything. Um, and there but are better it's podcasts that do that. <laughs> yes. The, the specific things that We'll start with things that got like one or two changes. So like, for instance, we'll start with Grey Knights. Their soul fire, their Haloed and Soulfire strat got changed to being Strategic Ploy. And that's where bringing up the Custode change was. They intentionally took really crazy or helpful stratagems from Battle Tactics and changed them into something else. So you, they have to be something that you pay for. And then we go up to another small change. And as much as I would want to say it's a big change, Eldar, the only thing besides points that got changed for them was their Phantasm stratagem, now has to target specifically an infantry unit. That's a big deal. It's still a big deal. A lot of players still feel that it wasn't enough, but um, there's also some, some large point changes here and there. Uh, the Incarn went up in ton of points, so uh, we'll see what happens. And also some, you know, splash over event, you know, some units that were being seen being added on the Adari side of things, like uh, Harlequins and even Ravagers from Drukari also went up in points. So uh, it was interesting to see what they did. There's still a lot of people. I don't think Eldari are buried in the ground. Um, some people think that they are so way too powerful. I still would put them in probably top tier, but um, I definitely think there might be a little more manageable than what we've seen. 
Yeah. And another army that got a single change, but it's a humongous change, is Death Guard. So they changed the detachment rule for Death Guard. So instead of just contagions and stuff like that, you now get an additional aura that is a part of your contagion where when you're making your battle formations, so attaching characters to units, putting them in vehicles, all that kind of stuff, you pick one of three auras and that applies on top of the minus one toughness of the contagion. So there's one for decreasing ballistic and weapon skill by one. There's one for decreasing your save by one. And then the last one is you reduce their OC and leadership by one to a minimum of one. So if you plan on outbodying your opponent, you can just go, yeah, no, you go from OC two to one and I'm just bigger than you. Or if you plan on punching people, you can make their save worse, so your your Death Shroud and your Blight Lords can easily punch through things. And I believe they have a way of increasing their AP by one already in the deck, so now you're, so it's actually a AP minus two bonus, so it, it, it stacks up pretty quick. Yeah, and they did add the caveat at the end of it that in parentheses it does specify it changes the characteristics of the models it affects. So it's of it's ignorable by things like Trajan or other units that can just say ignore modifiers. Um and then the ba -ba -ba, another kind of simple change was a well, simple but big change was actually for leagues of Votan. So they didn't change the detachment rule too much. They basically just increased the number of units that you can slap a grudge token on from like one, two, three to two, four, and six. Much depending dull. on the size of the game. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. They also saw some significant uh, point decreases as well. So we'll see how they play. And moving forward, but there was interesting. There was, uh, you know, Botan made a few splashes this past weekend, so we'll see. Maybe they've already started to happen. Yep. And then some of the bigger nerf bats around the table, the Imperial Knights. Most of their stratagems went up to two CP instead of one. And one of their Thunderstop got changed to an Epic Deed. Their biggest bat, though, was. Their bondsman abilities now only affect the armagers. They aren't shared between the armager and the big knight. Yeah, that might have been a little too much. Uh, well, again, coming at yeah, first first blush up like wow, that's brutal. So uh, we'll mm -hmm. have to see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, and then touching on one, two, three different armies so we have space marines the agents of the imperium and custodes every single one of those armies had a unit size change so the agents of the imperium the exaction squad went from being a five-man minimum to a 10-man minimum 10-man minimum so you use the entire box um 
Space Marines, the Desolation Squads went down to a maximum of five instead of ten. And a major price hike. Yes, yes, he did. It's like two hundred for five, like two hundred for five models or something five like guys, that. Yeah, it's pretty substantial. I don't know if that's still going to be enough, but we'll see. But um, when we get into uh, the codexes, there's there's rumors that uh, Oath of Moment might be changing, so I'll have to take mm-hmm. a look at that. And then this one hurts a lot because this is three of four changes. Custodes, their custodian guard, are now capped at five. Their wardens are now capped at five because it was weird to have three to six when the box comes with five guys. Um, and then the one that kind of scratched everyone's head was the Virtus Praetors are two to three. I mean, it's an entire box, so it's kind of okay but they're kind of terrible now. So people are like, huh? What? Weird. <laughs> I get, the, I, I definitely see the, from a design standpoint, they're going for more, um, more squads, more, but smaller squads. Like even the horde units aren't that big, you know, anymore. So. Okay. And then from there, like, the the Gene Steeler Colt got a pretty big hurt too. Now it's a on a five plus they come back and you add plus one to it if they are if they died in the first if they come back on the first or the second battle round or if they're battle line. So it's definitely harder to bring the units back. And I then still the, think it I don't think it's that big of a nerf. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> so yeah. if you're battle line and you're in the first two turns of the game, you're coming back on a three plus instead of automatic. Yeah. Uh, sorry. No. And then everything else is still coming back on a four up. <sighs> yeah. I, I, basically, yes, you don't have infinite amount. You're going to in the early part of the game. You have lots coming out. And then mm-hmm. towards you know end of the game, okay, it's going to be harder to bring them back. But yeah, and then I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, it's we'll just have to see. Also, Gene Steeler Colts got a lot of points hikes too. That might be where it comes to hurt them. Yeah, and then Admech got a small couple of changes where they just improved the saves of their Ranger and their Vanguard. Yeah, and then four, five up. Yep, and then Death Watch. Their stratagems for Dragonfire, Hellfire, and Kraken now specify bolt weapons, and they attached a list of everything that is a bolt weapon. Yeah, that, that might be reading that list is an episode in itself. I get it. I, I understand why some players might have been unhappy, but part of me is like, come on, you knew this was coming. This is how it's always been with this book. So, yeah, I remember the last game I had with Death Watch, someone did those strats one of those strats on a yeah on a hellblaster squad yeah come on and i was just like bro it's rude it's but it's like i don't know i was just i just looked at that like that was a thing i'm like all right whatever so (laughs) yeah but otherwise that was basically the balanced data slate in its entirety it was a massive sweeping change and 
it may help. It may hurt. We'll have to see how the meta actually shakes up, which will happen once we get to the few events that we have in this episode. Along with some of the... Hey, Eric, you feel like buying a Sky Shield landing pad? <laughs> fortifications. Yeah. I do miss fortifications. They they were a fun part of the game. Rules yeah. are sometimes a little wonky, but yeah. So, as a fun little made-to-order thing for a limited time, the, the Bastion, the Wall of Martyrs, and all of like that really cool terrain that basically has no purpose now. Oh, are they really getting rid of it? Well, it's just made to order at this time for a limited time. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Some of those, yeah, back in the day, there were essentials part of the game um, for various reasons. Necessarily was, you know, it's one of those, I don't want to say this was the good old times. It was just one of those, oh, I remember uh, you had to get one of those or like eyeing is that a viable solution to something. Uh, especially a buddy of mine actually pretty much wrecked the game because one, uh, what was it? Just one that fires the Quake Cannon shells. And oh, that's the that's the Dark Fortress one. That one's not being redone. <laughs> it was a smaller version of that, but basically he would, that was the bulk of his army. And he just sat back in a corner and launched all these bullet, you know, these shells. And if, and if you get, if it hits a unit, while you're near there, they, they couldn't, their movement was cut in half. So he just sat there all game <laughs> and just kept raining this down on him. People were just like, what the hell? So that eventually got like nerfed. I forgot they made some changes to that after because he did that at LVO. Of course, Games Workshop was there. I was like, that's not how we intended it to play. But uh, the biggest thing was flyers in the old editions uh, only got hit on sixes. It was like basically overwatching all the time unless they had a anti-flyer roll, in which case they used a regular ballistic skill. So people would buy fortifications that had the anti-flyer guns came with it. So they were armed and ready to take out flyers. This is back in the day when you had players that would run five flying high pirates at once. So... Mm -hmm. And expect to see a couple more Serastis chassis walking around the tables near you because the Acheron and the Castigator are coming to plastic. I cry. I, just, I cry as well. I'm just like, why? We do, we do not need more knights. But anyway, whatever. Um, at least they're not Forge World anymore, so they're readily available. They're still more expensive than normal knight kits, Eric. <laughs> are they? Okay. Yeah, they're like close to $200 a piece. Oh. Okay. Well, I mean, you get a bunch of plastic. It's ridiculous. But anyway, those are the previews that were coming out for pre-order this Saturday. So have fun with that. And now we're going to come to the current timeline of, hey, post-data slate events. Indeed. So we had some with some international flair and some here with more domestic flair. So where do you want to start with first? Well, I think we're going to chase the rat in the room down in Australia. Sounds like a plan. So we're going yep. to have some fun with these last names. So, yep, down at RatCon, it was a whopping 91 players. 
and their event details are specifically two days of questionable quality 40k with barbecues, raffles, and beers. That's so you plan. know exactly what you're in for. Exactly. <laughs> And the placings ended up being something like this. And oh my God, Eric, you're going to love when I get there. So at fifth place, we have Matt Morisoli, a very familiar name, bringing Chaos Knights. Woo! I was playing Knights, but yeah, I'm glad to see Matt still so, terrorizing the tables there down under. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that later. Uh, in fourth place, we have Dean Sinbeck playing World Eaters with an almost perfect score, except for his one loss. He still got a 74. Yeah, they got a lot of um, points drops, and a lot of people say that's exactly what they needed simply because there's now enough points to create a second wave of assault. So you, all your shooting takes out the first wave, and then there's now the second wave of hard-hitting units. Yep. And then we have Christian Pierce with Thousand Sons. Even with their points increases and other stuff, they still they still slap. In second place, we have Boyd Morale with Grey Knights. And then in first place, we have Reese Cunningham with Drukari. Yay! I have to check out that list, too. Because uh, I made some significant changes uh, to my list after the uh, data slate, and also talking with people. So I'll be curious to see what he's got. Yep, I've already... I've already looked at Matt Morisoli's Chaos Knight list. It's exactly what I expected. A lot of dogs, the Changeling, and Blue Scribes. Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing unexpected there. So, yes. Um, I'm actually curious. You know what? Let's talk about Reese's list right now. Sure. Let's take a look at it. What's in it? So, it has an Archon. No Enhancement. And then one, two, three Cobblelite Warriors, three Raiders wow. for them. Three Raiders. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they each got a Dark Lance. Um, three Kronoses, two units of Mandrakes. He still brought three Ravagers. Kind of have to, but yep. Three, scour- three units of Scourges and two units of two Talos. So interesting, because uh, an earlier event, it was a smaller event, so it kind of slid off our radar. George McCullough from Real Space Raiders ran six Talos and uh, was in the top three for that event. I think the base, for me, the big surprise is not the three units of 10 Cabalites, it's the 10 Cabalites in Raiders. What people have been doing is splitting them into Venoms. So you have one flying around that has all the anti-tank weapons and another one that has all the anti-infantry weapons and select their targets appropriately and take advantage of sticky objectives because they have a special ability where they can not only make objectives sticky but they don't have to get out of the boat to do it which is kind of nice um yeah when you have three ravagers that's already uh, nine dark lances another three okay whatever yeah. The three Chronos seems counterproductive. I mean, obviously he's a better player than I am, so he must know what he's doing. But um, for a while, people were taking two just so in case one gets shot. I Yeah, I don't know what three really gives you. Um, I guess you recycle pain tokens, but after a while it becomes... Maybe it just needs that level of redundancy. I don't know. Well, here's my thought on that 
because if you re if you roll to see if you maintain a pain token when you're in range of one chronos do you mm -hmm. get to roll trace if you're in range of two chronos i don't believe so i think it's not to reread the rule exactly and i don't have it in front of me but i believe it's if you're in within range of one of these one or more of these units is usually how they read those things so yeah it's just an interesting thought of pain token on a ravager it's touched by like two or even three of the chronos you roll three dice hey look i rolled a single four so i get to keep my pain token right the other thing too is ravagers their their base ability is they re-roll ones if they're shooting at a target that it's still at full strength so it's almost like especially turn one would you even spend a pain token on a ravager so that's sometimes an area where you can kind of save a few points so i don't know you know that's uh, i'm curious what he's what tech he's found that he needs that much recycling so yep and looking at it oh that's the other thing every single one of his scourges if they could have it also has a dark glance oh i, I missed the scourge part yeah that's a very popular build because they also have the move and shoot ability innately. I'm not a big fan of Scourges, but I'm definitely not in the uh, popular opinion of that. A lot of people just, you know, they love them and uh, they're a cheap platform, but it's still, it's 120 points for, five, for a unit of five. It's infantry, so it can go in and out of walls very easily. And at 36 inches they don't have to get that close they can drop down and do really well my biggest issue is that's all they can do is scoot hide shoot scoot hide shoot whereas a double mandrakes is a smart move because you can really pill up, build up on secondaries with those yeah and i actually counted he had 27 dark lances yeah <laughs> yeah all right so Scari so. had a list of that similar. Everybody thought that was the list Scari was going to take to WTC and surprised everybody by taking uh, Necrons. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, I think we're now going to take a trip to Jolly Old England for a very familiar name the Throne of Skulls GT. Mm -hmm. So, this was a solid 79 players. And the top five looks something like this. We have Mitch Greer again with Chaos Knights. Woo! Gatekeeper Army, not in the bad way. In fourth place, we have Thomas Aldred Musla. That's a mouthful with World Eaters. In third place, we have Ricardo Melella or Mila, Milella. I can't say that last name. God dang it. With Death Guard. In second oh, place. <laughs> In second place, we have Alec Courtney with Astro Militarium. And in first, first place, we have Peter Hernal with Death Watch. Interesting mix. And it's, but it's also, also curious. Didn't have a lot of details about this particular event in terms of what, like, terrain and stuff like that. I get the impression it was a GW event, but I was just like, hmm, what's going on here? So, um, have to take a look as as a, if we see those archetypes continue as they move forward. Yeah, so this one was done at Warhammer World, so at that point right. it would be all GW terrain because it's hosted by GW at that point. 
That's what I assumed, So, I, but I didn't want to just take that on face value. So, And then we don't take a trip down here often, but we're going to go down to Mexico. Mayo! Yes, down to the Torneo Nacional with a solid 61 players. And the top five looks something like this. So we got... God dang it, Eric. <laughs> you want me to do this one? <laughs> yes, yes, please. I hate being the new guy and reading names. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. <laughs> uh, it's not like I'm by Spanish is that much better, but we'll see what happens. But I mean, um, we can take turns. <laughs> uh, we're good. <laughs> take turns by events. Uh, where'd it go? Hi. Hold on, I gotta edit my search. Oh, there we go. That's what went wrong. This is good radio. Yes. I mean, at that point, in fifth place is Pavel Icavesta. Oh, God, don't. Let me take over. (laughs) Yes, yeah. I, I, I don't even know how to pronounce that last name. Like, geez, I'm sorry there. Sir. So in fifth place with Necrons is Pablo Escheveste. In fourth place is Rodrigo Durante with Eldari. Third place, Domingo Flores Diaz with Yanari. Second place, Xavier Barrera with Eldari. And with Thousand Sons winning the event is Luis Germán Yiles. How's that? <laughs> that was way better than I could ever do. Honorable mention to Carlos Moreno with Astro Militarum coming in sixth place. And several Tyranid players, seventh and eighth place, then Demons player in ninth. And Amador Perez with Dark Angels in tenth. Yep. It's definitely looking like the meta got shaped up to be a little wacky. Because, um, Looking at this Thousand Sons list, they have a Demon Prince. They got a handful of sorcerers in and not in Terminator armor. They have a sorcerer on disc. And then they got the big guy Magnus himself, who is now 440 points. Some Rubric Marines with Flamers. a scarab ter- scarab occult terminator brick some zangor enlightened and some little itty bitty blue scribes for 65 points to sit on an objective and do nothing hey if it works run with it yep that is very very true and i think the reason why t suns do so well post data sleep is cuz they have access to uh, dev wounds a lot more readily through like their cabal points and stuff. I think they do have quite a bit. I try to remember how many were more. Anyway, they 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 do a, they hit they hit hard. And, oh yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not crying for them. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I definitely saw. Yeah, they saw some major points increases, but I'm like. Yeah, they still have a lot of power. Yeah, like that. 
I remember playing against Thousand Sons with my knights and literally going, well, that's dev wounds. Okay, ouch. I can't do anything about it. But my custodies now kind of just died a thousand suns. Like, I can't do anything to them. I was really surprised they didn't change that. Like I said, it was so specific to mortal wounds that that they switched it to dev wounds as well. But we'll see. I don't know. Meh. At this point, I've just kind of accepted my doom. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the hottest topics uh, we're running we run a little late this episode, but just we had a lot to cover is uh, we got our first Codex a tenth edition. So yes, there is a ton of other podcasts that have probably given you a in-depth review of the Tyranid Codex. Uh, I thought we'd just kind of cover the what can we expect from the the Codex format for all tenth edition, assuming they stick to it. Um, because the Space Ring Codex is probably right on the heels, according to the Nova preview. But you've had a couple games of Tiernids. What do you feel? Feel the new bugs? Well, I've only had one game of Nids. It's good enough. <laughs> I mean, it felt like two or three games because I was like, "Oh my god, I have to move this many models again." What the heck is this stuff? <laughs> so, I am. I was messing around with the. Vanguard Onslaught Detachment, which is probably the most hyped-up detachment out of the book. And, yeah, infiltrating and being sneaky little buggos is a lot of fun. But, (laughs) uh, unless your opponent is an avid Tyranid player that can stay on time, oh my lordy, you will clock out by the end of turn two. Oh boy. Because there's at the end of the day, there's going there's like three different scout moves. There's a redeploy of up to three Vanguard Invader units. You have to be aware of where you put your infiltrating units and how far forward you put your lone op infiltrators, which are like lictors and neuro lictors. And then from there, it's like, what do you keep in deep strike? So it was mentally taxing compared to playing Custodes or Knights. I could see that. Uh, especially especially coming from Knights, that could be a big change. So, Which, by the way, my game was against Mark Fallows and his Imperial Knights, and by golly, between two Exocrines and every single Killy unit in my army... I put a gallant down to two wounds. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm punching at T12 with like AP2, one or two damage. And he has a feel no pain. The The scary units in that list are definitely the Gene Stealers if they have a Broodlord attached to them because then that gives the Gene Stealers devastating wounds on their claws. And then you sit there, and hopefully your Gene Stealers can get to something on an objective, because then they reroll once to hit and wound. So they just eat whatever they touch for breakfast. Which is essential, because how many times on... uh the deck comes up where you have to either 
take an objective that was previously held by your opponent or kill a unit that's holding an objective, that comes in handy quite a bit more mm-hmm. than you think. And the other benefit is that in the Vanguard Onslaught Detachment, the Vanguard Invader units get to advance and charge. I'm going to double check that before I fully quote myself because, yeah, that would be bad if I got that wrong because I literally just played it. So they can fall back in charge and advance in charge. That's so very powerful. Yep. The... This guy, guy who messed around with Harlequins for an entire summer. Yeah, that's that's very handy. So, mm-hmm. the the other things that I would recommend people be aware of, there are stratagems to basically say you can't shoot at this unit. You can give a unit of Gene Steelers loan operative. Heck, you can give it to a harder specs. Um, because it's the unseen lurker stratagem. Oh, nope, never mind. It is one Vanguard Invader unit. Don't You can't do it to a hard specs. But you can do it to Gene Sealers. You can do it to Lictors. And yeah, it gives them Lone Op. If they already have Lone Op, it shrinks the circle down to six inches. So That's if you're trying to flame a bug, you go, and nope, you can't see him because you're outside of six inches. And if I also read right that bugs have lots of ways of manipulating your reserves coming in, I was not happy to see that. Yep, there is an enhancement that you can put on a character. It's the hunting grounds. It's 20 points. When your opponent arrives from reserves on a 2+, they have to do a battle shock test. Remember now, since it's out of phase, you can't even use the stratagem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it starts to add up pretty quick. Yep. And then there's another stratagem for in the shooting of the fight phase, you can give one of your units plus one to hit, make your opponent's unit take a battle shock test. If they fail it, you then get plus one to wound. Yeah, I like those new stacked abilities. Like, you get something, but if they're mm-hmm. battle-shocked, you get more. I was like, that's a neat little mechanic, and I hope to see more of that in future codices. I think that'd be really cool. Yep. So it's a very a very thinking man's detachment, is the way I'd like to put it. Yeah, yeah it's so... What we see now with the with the codices now is with this template is that there are what I guess correct me if I'm wrong six detachments now. Yes. Okay. So you get six of them, and the nice thing is uh, they don't cross over. So one of the things, for example, Crusher Stampede, which is in the book by the way, and everybody, goes, oh my god, it's back! It's not back. It's back, but it's not as bad as it used to be. And here's an example from a judge's standpoint: this is how bad it was. The rules came out for Crusher Stampede in a White Dwarf, which sold out in seconds. So I'm going into an event that I'm supposed to be judging. I don't actually have a copy of the rules. Step two, it was above and beyond 
what was already in the codex. So now you've got monstrous creatures getting specific buffs that can still use crazy abilities that were designed for gaunts, like Onslaught. So it's like, oh, so I can I get more abilities, I get to hold objectives with a higher OC, and I can still move freely after I've assaulted? Well, that, that sounds brutal. So, yeah, this ability to stack abilities from other parts of the codex is gone. You're still holding true to what we've seen in the index version, is that you have your handful of stratagems, your handful of enhancements, and the only thing that carries over is your army-specific role. So in this mm-hmm. case, it's what, Shadow and the Warp and Synapse? Yeah, Synapse. So it's if you're within six feature, six inches of a Synapse unit, you get to take Battleshock on 3d6 total dice. Not 3d6, pick the two highest. Mm-hmm. And then once during your command phase or in, in either player's command phase, you can force your opponent to take a battle shock test for every single unit in their army that is on the table. What they've heard is to varying effects, pretty effective. So I've heard some people yep. do anything. Other ones were like, oh my god, it, it totally turned the game around because they just couldn't power up. So I think it's going to be matchup dependent. Well, like for instance, touching on Crusher Stampede again with how tame it is, the the stacking bonuses are now in the opposite direction. So for you, if your monsters are below starting strength, they get plus one to hit. If they are below half strength, you also get a plus one to wound. It reminds me of the Hulk in um, Hero Clicks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the entire... Yeah, stat line went up. Yeah, that's the entire point. So, like, you get a Screamer Killer that goes charging in with 10 strength 9 attacks. Um, Oh, look, he died in Overwatch. They have access to an automatic Deadly Demise strat, by the way. Oh. So you you send in a Screamer Killer who only has Deadly Demise 1. He blows up. He now does one mortal wound to all of your other bugs around him. All of those bugs now have plus one to hit. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering where you're getting that with that. I was like, oh, demise one, big deal. I'm like, ah, crap. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But otherwise, the, the two big detachments that people have to keep an eye out for are the Vanguard Onslaught because it's super sneaky, super primary dependent. It will tank your score. Because it'll just be everywhere. And there's also Eric's favorite of the unending swarm. You yes. like a you like a hundred and forty gaunts and gargoyles, you're gonna see a hundred and forty gaunts and gargoyles. Yeah, if you like spaceship troopers, that is the <laughs> detachment for you, which I thought was like, that's really, really cool. So Yeah. The only reason why that one's not as hyped as it vanguard was is because vanguard you get to take death leaper batman the bug like booga 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 yeah the other one that comes up it's i have a feeling it's going to be a sleeper uh one is the assimilation swarm and uh it's simply because it's a lot of buffing 
and it's it's definitely a army you play if you're the type of player you'd rather not lose than play to win and it seems very interesting where you have a lot of these what we call the eater bugs in uh, in it so it's not is point and click as some of the other detachments but it's a very interesting way of playing the game so i'm curious if anybody has a chance to master that and take advantage of what it can do well seeing as the haru specs is included in the harvester detachment if you have three haru specs congratulations you found the best tool in the trade yeah but it also includes things like the psychophage and the bio the pyrovore Specifically, yeah. it doesn't include the biovore, I think. I'm trying to remember. And this, I had said earlier in an episode uh, that I was really worried that, oh my God, they're coming out with new data slates and new cards. Oh my God, what are they going to do? And so before everybody freaks out and think that, okay, Gaunts are now Toughness 6 or something like that, very minor changes. If anything, all they did was add keywords. And so, for example, there's like the Harvester keyword, there's the Vanguard keyword. This helps you organize your your models into these uh, new detachments. The, mm -hmm. Most of the changes are just kind of updates from uh, FAQs we've already seen. Yep. So, like, the other four detachments, the Crusher Stampede, the Classic Invasion Fleet, the Synaptic Nexus, and... Oh, no. So those three, because the Unending Swarm one specifies the Endless Multitude guys, so the blobs but the other three are not keyword dependent outside of core keywords like monster or synapse but they don't restrict you from playing anything that you want that really starts to open things up when you start thinking about what the new like if you're thinking about your army whatever you're playing as you're listening to this what's coming down the pike think more play style versus or archetype versus what used to be my chapter tactic or, or chapter tactic equivalent so um, early rumors are already coming out from the space marine thing and it does fit to certain chapters but it's you're not restricted so i could definitely see for example if you're an orc player there's going to be an orc swarm list there's going to be a, a truck detachment there's going to be um maybe a weird boy or a, a beast um, related one, but there's going to be key keywords that those units benefit more, but you can still use your entire collection in each of those detachments. Yep. So by the way, Eric, mm -hmm. I'm going to make you really happy about the harvester detachment. Mm -hmm. Cause reading the stratagem that got me really thinking about it is broodguard impulse. So it's any phase at any time when one of your harvester units gets destroyed and i just and i remembered the other thing that's a harvester are ripper swarms yeah yes. 20 points for a single base um <laughs> so until the end of the battle after you use the stratagem when a harvester when a harvester unit is destroyed and the stratagem is activated your entire army regardless if they're harvester or not gets plus one to wound the thing that killed the harvester unit. But dare you pick on my ripper swarms. Die. <laughs> or you blew up my psychophage. I get to kill you too. Like, yeah, so. It's a wild stratagem. And the fact that it can activate at any time and it's only one command point. 
It's pretty crazy. So yeah, some neat little stuff that they got in there. So, but just the overall form, as long as they don't deviate too far from this, you know. And I know that's always the fear. Games Workshop is notorious for. We have a new idea. We're gonna fling it on these next three codices, and you're just like, no, don't do it. But um, there's a lot of cool stuff in this, and I, I think it's it's much more open. But it's also at the same point, it's very um, streamlined in terms of this is what's in my detachment, this is what I'm going to play with, and I don't have to do any additional work, um, even compared to what we saw in Night Edition War, where we said layer of layer of layer of, of rules. So I was like, oh my god. So Yeah, I am super excited to try out NIDs. And depending on how much fun I have with them, I might hold off on going back to my custodes until their book comes out. Yeah, that's a fun thing you mentioned that, because that's one thing I thought about from a competitive standpoint. You know, when you don't know when your book's coming out, I kind of got the idea that Codex versus Index isn't as bad as it was back in 8th edition. Where eighth edition, you know, a index player had three stratagems, whereas a codex player had thirty-six, plus a chapter tactic, plus a, plus all the relics. This doesn't seem as bad because you're just getting more selections of detachments and enhancements, but you're not overlapping those. You still get the same six. It's just now you have a choice, whereas I'm kind of stuck with one detachment right now. Yeah. But we'll just, I'll have to let you all know as the painting adventure of Nids also begins here shortly. Um, I'm going to have to reorganize all of my painting regiment stuff. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how you paint those because it's also very different models compared to all those rigid lines that you had with all your Space Marines. And well, I mean, I never had Space Marines. What I are mean, you talking about meant Imperial armor is what I was trying to say. It, so. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm going to hate painting trim so much because it's not a straight line. <laughs> so, so I'm pretty excited. So, I, I, when I, I am excited for new codices, uh, see what they bring. As I mentioned, I kind of teased earlier, it's some rumors about the new Space Ring Codex are, are coming out. And uh, the biggest one is, yeah, Oath of Moment might be falling back to the uh, start collecting version. Or the, uh, was it Battle for, what are those things called? Combat Patrol? Mm -hmm. Is that the 500? Yeah. Where it just reroll hits, as opposed to real hits and wounds. So that's the rumor that they may uh, rewrite that rule. So, yeah. We shall see, but I have a feeling there's going to be a whole bunch of new co uh, keywords thrown into the Space Marine units that will, you know, the Phobos will probably be grouped together versus the, I don't know if they're going to bring back the Primaris versus Firstborn again. I think they've kind of given up on that, but we'll see. Yeah. Other than that, that has been uh, kind of caught up on our two weeks, so I appreciate you guys uh spending some time with us. Uh, Robert, anything else to add before we uh, conclude the show? Nope, I got nothing else. So yeah, uh, thanks again for seeing everyone at uh, Smite Club Open uh, last weekend. It was really cool to see everybody in person. 
If you did not get a chance to come, uh, take a look. Uh, coming up this spring, Scorched Earth Open will be right around the corner. But in the meantime, we'll be back next week. So my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. <laughs>